0: Our economy is crashing, inflation is out of control. Why are conservatives bad, mommy? Because I thought we were supposed to conserve. (laughs) They'd actually breathe in my nostrils to make me move. Russia has joined with China. (laughs) The USA is a mess. This is not real. It's just a dream. Please, please wake up. I watched the president make some comments today, and I had a deja vu about the time when Obama, my jaw dropped. And I remember the day, it was 60 minutes, and he had just entered office. He'd been in for a little while. Everybody liked him. And he came off being very humble. And But then he threw in a comment about how, how white people have racism in their DNA. And what he was alluding to was that we have a long history of racism in our country, as if it's unique to America. I think somebody pointed out, it's like, show me a country where there is not racism. I mean, any any country where you have more than one race, you're going to have racism. It's just, it's, it's, if it's in our DNA, it's in all of our DNA. It's not, it is not, to, to say that racism is limited to a specific. Racial group is itself a racist statement. That is the the whole definition of racism is when you stereotype one person or a group of people based on the fact that they all share that race. That's it. So by making the declaration that white people have some special access to racist thoughts or we have them more often than say someone of another race is racist. And everybody picked up on that. But it it stuck to me because that was my president telling me and all of those young people out there that are influential that just absolutely adore the guy that we all have a problem, those white folks. So, you know, a lot of stuff on my mind this weekend. But let me just play the Biden thing. We'll get to it a little bit later. But this just really got under my skin. It's not the the primary thing I want to talk about today but I do need to get it off my chest. To stand up against the poison of white supremacy as I did my inaugural address to single out as the most dangerous terrorist threat to our homeland is white supremacy. And I'm not saying this because I'm at a black HBCU. I stay wherever I go. He's got a problem, doesn't he? Just, doesn't that irritate you? Like if you're a white person and you're like you think of yourself as being fairly decent and and fair and fairly honorable and not really bothered by it like me, and I hear him say that, and I say it everywhere I go, I say it everywhere I go, and I'm thinking no you don't you're just using it you're pandering you know I think what black people think when they hear white people pandering is that the guy's uh, a traitor, he has no loyalty, and everybody sees right through it, It's just, you know, and anyway, so we're here back, and I spent a good amount of time over the weekend just relaxing and enjoying, and where I am, there's great weather, I hope where you are, there's great weather, and uh, I, my wife and I got a chance to watch a, a, the Michael J. Fox movie. That he has out. And it was very touching. And it inspired me. In many many ways. And I won't do the spoiler. Because I'm not sure what the spoiler is. Everybody knows he has Parkinson's. But he. Tells his story in a way. Where they take all the clippings of his life. Including the clippings. Of him being a little boy. And then also the clippings from all of the movies. That he's been in. And he will, will, will weave this story together where he really talks about dealing with this thing that he found. So he learns at an early age that, not an early age, right about the time that he was experiencing the height of his success on the old Family Ties uh, television sitcom, which was hugely popular. Everybody loved it. Nobody had ever heard of Michael J. Fox. I even assumed he'd been around for a while, and he was in a couple of movies. I'm really busy, Mom. We're playing Monopoly. (laughs) (laughs) Then you'll join us. (laughs) Monopoly? Are you kidding me? I'd love a game. Uh, I I thought you had a lot of work to do. Well, Dad, I was thinking, you know, term papers and exams come and go, but the family unit is the one true constant in life. The precious hours spent in the familiar abode with loved ones playing a heartwarming game such as this are what make memories that one can treasure for all eternity. When did all that occur to you? As it was coming down the stairs. But he was just one of those unique stars that comes along and he was almost at the end of his rope. He said that he had been in Hollywood for two years. He was having no success. Uh, he was being typecast. He wasn't getting called back. And then, as he describes it, his last-ditch effort. He had no money, and he was avoiding all the people coming after him for rent, for food, for whatever. And he said, this is it. This is my final hour. And the producers of Family Ties didn't didn't really... There was only one guy that was really on his side, but everybody else, including, uh, what is it, Brandon Tardoff? Tartikoff? Tarkov. Anyway, he was, the, he was then the executive vice president of NBC. And as Michael J. Fox tells it, he had to convince them. But they finally said, this is our guy to play Alex P. Keaton. And he did such a terrific job. It was out the door like, great, great job. Great job for this guy. And not long after that, he noticed that he had a little shaking in one of his fingers. And then from that point, he went to the doctor and he was diagnosed with Parkinson's. But he kept it to himself for many, many years. In fact, he had left TV, went to do Back to the Future and the sequels and a whole slew of other movies that became diminishingly less successful. This is an American icon. This is a guy who, who overnight experienced what we all hope that America can bring us, that, that kind of success that can only happen in a country like ours. And he then it becomes almost obvious that he's got shaking problems. And he finally comes clean. He goes on a couple of night shows. Phil Donahue, I think, may have even uh, broke the story. But in, in any event, it didn't deter him. And he kept going until he could no longer perform. And then even after, he used his celebrity hood to champion efforts to raise money for Parkinson's. Now, that's a guy who's a hero from beginning to end. He knew what he wanted. He was driven. He goes to Hollywood. He makes himself a success. He gets hit by the hardest possible news that his life is going to run short and it's not going to be pretty. And he falls in love with a girl she knows they have a family he gets out of and then the most remarkable thing at the very end and I won't again I, won't, I want you to see that if you go go see it it's like I'm sharing this with a friend go see it if you need some something to kick you in the ass because you know maybe you feel like your life isn't going so well watch what Michael J Fox does. And I'll leave it there, because he truly was, at the time, he was just everybody's favorite TV sitcom guy. So, anyway, I think it's just worth mentioning, because, you know, so much I look around and I'm disappointed by the behavior of people. So much I am disappointed. Ever since, probably, the Trump administration, and the way that the media became doggedly determined to bring this man down despite the wishes of the American people, the deep state that was wanting to jump in and try to foil him at every turn. And they never let him go, like a a pit bull with your pants in his teeth. And that disappointed me, because out of nowhere, people started acting acting intolerant. Uh, Even the woman E. Carol, uh, uh, the woman who recently was awarded $5 million for sexual battery, the Trump case. Even she, and they've discovered this now, she had emails and communications and posts on social media about how much she really enjoyed watching Donald Trump on The Apprentice. It was her favorite show. Didn't hear that on the news, did you? This woman just got $5 million, yet she loved the guy on a show after the the said event was supposed to have occurred. Don't you find that a little interesting? And let us not forget that we right now are trying to find a missing whistleblower. Did you hear about this? If you're watching over the weekend, Maria Bartiromo, also today, uh, there is apparently a whistleblower that was supposed to give testimony on, on Biden and the crime family and information that he had that would corroborate what Comer and the Oversight Committee had discovered in their bank records and all of the other pieces of information that they collected and now suddenly he's disappeared and the FBI is saying, you don't need to worry about him. I mean, this is the stuff that you hear about in foreign countries, not in the U.S. So, yeah, I get a little upset about the way things are, the, the, the poor leadership that we have, the fact that our nation is being overrun by third world uh, immigrants, which we're going to talk about in, in the next segment. It's absolutely infuriating to watch this country fall apart because of this leader who now apparently seems to have the Department of Justice in his back pocket. It's just, it's an amazing thing to me to watch. And so when I see somebody like a Michael J. Fox appear, damn right it's inspiring. Damn right. Name is J.R. The show is Speaking Out America, and we will continue in a moment. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere stay put can i take a do-over oh sure go ahead whoa whoa hold the phone no do-overs i won't stand for this this is a travesty this is a sin against capitalism i'll be in the kitchen you call me when it's my turn okay The poison, white supremacists. I did my inaugural address to a single hour. As the most dangerous terrorist threat to our homeland is white supremacy. I'm not saying this because I'm at a black HBCU. I say wherever I go. Does he really? Does he say it wherever he went? Did he say it when he gave the uh, the he gave a speech? At a known racist, a known member of the KKK back in the seventies, uh, uh, did he did he talk about white supremacy then? And then the the media, which I don't even I've not heard of this, but I thought of an interesting thing. Welcome back to Speaking Out America, uh, the podcast and the radio program on Talk dot com. And uh, this group, I think it was called the Pr- the Patriot Proud Guys or something like that. So I figured out that it's okay to have pride, but don't be proud. If you have pride. You're okay. You're cool. If you, if you're proud, then uh, then you must be a, a white supremacist. But anyway, they they paraded these these guys all wearing these white things over the bottom of their faces, wearing flags. Some of them upside down somewhere in upstate New York. And I said, I've never heard of the, these people. And then today, uh, I think it was Zero Hedge had a picture of all of the. This is like two hundred people. Never heard of this group ever. And apparently they're they're marching on Washington. I guess they're marching to Washington. I mean, do you believe this? It's just. And you know that probably half of them are FBI implants, and I wouldn't be surprised. And I think that they use these these tools as a way of recruiting and seeing who's stupid enough to fall for it. But, you know, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we have a bunch of white supremacy groups all over the country, which I've never seen. I mean, I know that there are pockets like, you know, you have certain areas of the country which are more prone you know, because they're more rural. and We know what we're talking about places like Coeur d'Alene, you know, places in Montana and remote areas of the South. You're always going to have a group of people uh, that are like-minded and they show up and they're frustrated and they, and they, in that frustration, they have some sort of weird fellowship or bond. But many of the people now that I see on the internet, social media, they're just pissed off at the country. They don't like who's in charge. They see what's happening with this guy. He's pandering. He's he's stoking racial, racial division. I mean, how dare he say what he said? And is it any wonder that a five-year-old African-American kid goes to school and shoots his teacher who's white? That has to play into it somehow. Did anybody talk about that? One thing that is good... Uh, and I was actually very happy to hear this. Brittany Griner, the WNBA star that was held against her will in Russia for a couple of months, well, she's not sitting and protesting the national anthem. During the game between the Phoenix Mercury and the LA Sparks, the two teams walked off the court while the national anthem played. Interestingly enough, Griner mentioned that this will not, not be the last time she would walk off the court. But ten minutes in a Russian prison and uh, ten months, rather, well, that changed. Fast forward her to the return to freedom in the United States and her first competitive game since her release in a preseason Phoenix-Mercury game, again, against the L.A. Sparks, which took place Friday. She didn't walk off the field or the court. Prior to the tip, uh, Griner and her teammates stood for the national anthem, And the number one pick of the 2013 NBA draft received a loud ovation from a home crowd as she was introduced. That would have brought tears to my eyes. This is what she said. She said, hearing the national anthem is definitely hit me different. She said, it's like when you go for the Olympics, you're sitting there about to get gold put on your neck, the flags are going up, and the anthem is playing. It just hits different. Being here today, it means a lot. Now that actually, that tells me that everybody is, is capable of having redemption. And I say that because I understand that there's racial strife. And when you grow up being told all your life that there's racism in this country and you'll never get a shot. And if you're a woman, you'll never get a shot. And this message doesn't come from anybody but the media and the propagandists who put it out there. Uh, And in the next segment, we're going to talk a little bit about what the border means and the implications of all the Hispanics that are coming and certainly immigrants from other countries. But it's all related. You see, I I think that what Griner learned was that America is a melting pot. And because you have so many different people, there are occasions where there's going to be some amount of racial conflict, people learning to coexist and sometimes it's easier. People come from their countries and they have pride in their country and they love where they're from and they want to they want to celebrate that. And it's understandable. But when they come to this country, sometimes they're going to meet with resistance. Because the people that are here also love this country for reasons that you and I don't understand. But they do. And so it took Griner going and seeing what it's like not to have the Constitution at your back, not to have access to lawyers who can truly represent you in a court of law. Although our, our justice system right now is a little bit compromised, if you know what I mean. So it was it was good that she got to see this. It's unfortunate that she had to learn the hard way. But like many people in the United States who who gripe and moan, and find nothing but things to complain about in this country, people like AOC and Michelle Obama, who are embarrassed to be here. That's because you have too much luxury. You have too much. You have so much luxury and privilege that all you do is have time to complain about your country. Step outside of your country for a little while. Go to another country and see how they treat you. Go to another country and... And, and don't learn their laws, and don't learn their cultures. Go to France. See what happens there. Go to Ireland. Right now they're instituting hate laws. So the, anything that you put on the internet can result in you being imprisoned for expressing your opinion. If you go to China right now, if you were to happen to fly through, and you, any time in your life, ever put anything disparaging up about China, they could haul you in. They'll take you right from the airplane to a prison and you'll be lucky if you see a court in 30 days or less. And maybe, maybe Joe Biden will help you, but I doubt it. So I think it was such a redemptive moment to hear about Greiner coming to her senses and, and realizing, well, America isn't a perfect place, but it's the best one we got. And when it's gone... It's gone. There's an ideological struggle going on in this country right now between those who understand freedom and those who abuse it. And the people that abuse it are the ones complaining the most that they have rights to this and they have rights to that and social justice and climate injustice and all these, these battles in their heart. And what they're forgetting is that they live in a country where things are not always going to go right. But there's always an opportunity for things to go well. And that's why, so, that's why they're coming into this country. That's why there are 70,000 people that came into this country. They didn't go to Baghdad. They didn't go to Iran. They didn't go to China. They came here. Welcome back to Speaking Out America. I'm Jr., your host. Don't forget our website is there. It's always there for you. You can catch up on the past archived episodes of the program if you miss the show. And, of course, we're heard every day at noon Pacific as well as now 5 p.m. Pacific on CRN Talk. Uh, look for Speaking Out America, on your, also on your favorite podcast platform. How are you? Hope you had a good week. End. So, yeah, I uh, watched a little bit of news. Not much. I didn't see much in any mainstream any kind of discussion about... I did hear a lot of people talking about the Biden crime family, but I didn't hear any in the news coverage of it because they're trying to wish it away. And it's its only going to get worse. I, I, I just would like to warn my Democratic friends, it's only going to be worse for Biden the more he tries to hide this. I, I did think that there was a chance that maybe he could... We're talking about redemption. That maybe we could find some redemption with Biden if he... Saves face and admits to the American people that he profited off of his ability to sell influence. Sad thing to me is, it's one thing if you get out of office. I mean, it's almost a natural. You're going to get your $10,000 or your $100,000 for a speech. You know, you do a few of those. You write a book. You write a bio. I mean, there's ways to make money when you get out of public service. Because we see it all the time. I mean, for God's sakes, how many books has Obama had? Three? He got $5 million, I think, a piece. But that was after he got out of office, okay? You want to sell your experiences to people? Uh, Fine. But when you're in office, my goodness, that just takes corruption to a whole... That's like giving a big middle finger to America, don't you think? Erasmus and Survey addressed three angles to the report that Biden family members received overseas financial support, including from China, and that some sort of bribery was at play. First, 69% said the report of foreign influence peddling targeting Biden and his family are a serious scandal. This was in the Washington Examiner over the weekend. That includes 49% of Democrats, so almost half of the Democrats in our country believe that Biden was involved in a serious scandal. 72% of independent voters say that he was involved and 88%, so eight, almost 9 out of 10 People who identify as Republican think that there's something wrong here. Another question asked about congressional reports that Biden proffered off foreign policy decisions in a pay-for-play scheme when he was former uh, President Barack Obama's vice president. 63% called it likely, including 42% of Democrats and 65% of independents and 85% of Republican voters. So kind of basically the same sort of, kind of, almost half of Democrats, 65%. And this is just about China, okay? Rassman asked voters uh, if they agree or disagree that the Hunter Biden financial scandal is, quote, about the entire Biden family. 66 agreed that it is. 43% of Democrats said, all, all, almost five, almost half of Democrats. Which tells me that there are a lot of Democrats that just are turning the other way. They're just, I don't want to hear it because they don't have an answer. They're hoping that this just turns out to be a political ploy. And I know that MSNBC and CNN and others are trying to push the narrative that this is nothing more than, you know, political whatever. Cheap tricks. But you're still looking at the fact that even without any major coverage of mainstream media, traditional or legacy media, without any reporting whatsoever, they know about it. 50% of Biden's party believes that he is involved in a serious scandal. The more he tries to hide it, the more is going to make him look guilty. I mean, you can only use the Justice Department for so long. I mean, sooner or later, he's going to get out of office. There are going to be hearings. There are going to be testimony. There are going to be people in the Justice Department right now that realize that they're going to need to retire soon because they are going to get caught up in a scandal. Joe Biden is a giant black hole. He is a political Black hole. You know what an event horizon is? An event horizon is when you can remove yourself just far enough away so that you're not caught up in the gravitational pull of a, of a sun or a black hole. So right now, a lot of deep staters who are aware of what Biden was doing are are getting their cues. They know they need to get away. They know they're going to look back. Oh, maybe I need to get rid of that communiqué. Maybe there's an email in my folder that I need to go. I can't be near this. This thing is going to explode. I'm telling you. That's what justice is all about. Justice eventually will rear her head. And I like to believe, if I believe that our country is still based on justice, blind justice, fairness, everybody deserves their day in court, Biden deserves his day in court, and he will have his day in court. He's not going to win the election. This will dog him. Democrats know this. There was a big headline over the weekend that said uh, a major historian and I read the, the, the uh the article, someone who's known for, for guessing these things right, said that Biden's not gonna win, can't win. NASA now they're they're saying that Gavin Newsom, who was their sort of hand picked front runner in case Biden decided to back out, he's toast. His state is thirty two billion dollars in, in debt. And this is after being fifty billion dollars in debt going into the pandemic, and after receiving federal aid. I mean, Newsom was lucky. The pandemic was was a blessing for him because it it allowed him to tap into federal funds to make up for the budget shortfall that his his you know, bloated California government is. It's nothing but excess, which kind of leads me to another story. We're going to talk about this more. It has to do with mental illness in this country. And it has been something very close to me for, for almost all of my life. I have relatives who have suffered mental illness. I've had my grandparents suffer from mental illness. My mother suffered from mental illness. And when I, when I mean mental illness, I mean they were medicated to the point where they became zombies. And I can go into a long story about it, but I bet you have somebody in your life that you know suffered from mental illness. The question is, are they suffering more after they got treatment or less? And that's something that we have to talk about because my position is is that we are an over-medicated society. Everything is about being treated, and there's a reason for that because we have adopted in the West that science... Means that in order to fix any affliction, you have to use medicine, and that's something that we have to talk about frequently on this program. And the reason I bring it up is because uh, the education secretary is asking for five hundred and seventy-eight million more dollars to boost mental health providers in schools. Now think about that for a moment. They want to give, they want to get more money for schools so that schools can deal with mental health. Now, in the United States, there's only one way to treat mental health that's recognized as a solution or viable, and that is through drugs. So, you have to ask yourself a question. At what point do we figure out that the drugs aren't really helping? Because if they were helping, I mean, you're always going to have certain amount of people that suffer from schizophrenia, and that schizophrenia may come from a physical disease. But general mental health, anxiety, anxiety disorder, uh, sleeplessness, depression, those are not always tied to a physical disorder. They are tied to an emotional disorder. And an emotional disorder could be uh, an event like coming back from war, PTSD, post-traumatic, dealing with stress, dealing with a memory Or an unresolved issue that's buried deep in your conscience. Maybe you were attacked or physically assaulted as a youth. There's all kinds of ways that we as human beings take in our life experiences. And sometimes we process them well, sometimes we don't. It really actually depends on the people around us. How supportive they are. uh, If you have a good support system. If there's love. If there's faith. Faith is such a big component in dealing with. Because so many people, they... They end up just throwing it to God and saying, God, I don't know what to do with this. And there has been study after study after study that shows that faith is a big component in treating many disorders. But that's not what science says. Science says take a pill. So we're going to continue to talk about this. And I want to delve into this a little bit more. But just be aware that if mental health is something that's important to you, you're going to hear a lot about it on this program. We're going to take a quick break, come back. Don't forget our website is always there for you. It is speakingoutamerica. dot com podcast. The same. I am JR, and we will continue. Oh man, what to make of the border? Now there again, I don't know if I'm uniquely qualified to talk about this. But I think that I am in that I grew up in a Hispanic, primarily Hispanic family. And my father, my stepfather was from old Mexico. He was an illegal immigrant. He did marry my mother. And they went on, they actually had a, I have a a brother, a half brother who is Hispanic. And I know that from my experiences as a child and watching uh, the way that the family's members would come through our home and then journey on to their final destination, we were, I used to joke about this, but we were the Harriet Tubman of Los Angeles. But I also witnessed, not only in in living in LA and South Los Angeles, the upsurge in immigration, but I also saw it happen in the downtown Los Angeles area in the Westlake area, which was predominantly Hispanic and predominantly workers. Because see, these are places where people who don't speak English very well, they go to work And they have the night jobs, they have the third shift jobs, they are the dishwashers, they are the hotel cleaners, they are the people in the fields. These are the people that do the work that a lot of Americans won't do. And I know that to be true because in areas where you have, let's face it, nobody wants to work for below minimum wage. And you can get away with it when you're Hispanic because nobody's documenting you. And we have learned to adapt to this this is why the Democrat from, I believe it was California, the other day said, we have to let these immigrants in because who is going to do our dishes? And he got a firm re- rebuke from that. But look, so what? All, all I'm trying to say is been there, done that. I know what this is about. But what's happening at the border is an embarrassment. And, and again, it's an impeachable of, de- offense because what Biden is doing is he's he's falling on his he's derelicting on his duty. ...of making sure that the border is secure. It is not secure. There are people coming from Haiti. And if you knew your geography, you would know that there is no road from Haiti to Mexico. So who's paying for that? Most of this is Open Door Foundation funded. George Soros, uh, he believes that there should be no borders. This is why we have people... He believes in no borders, no prisons. What he actually believes in is making money off of investments... And he's mastered the way of making money off of investments by betting against the system. And he likes instability. Uh, and tell me why he does this. I don't know. I think he should be in jail. If you want to know why there are DAs, you hear that a lot, you know, Soros backed DA. What it means is that Soros handpicked people that he knew shared in his globalist belief system that there should be no borders. That we're all entitled to, you know, having go anywhere we want to, except his house. And uh, and what he does is he financially funds these elections. Now most of us, uh, when we vote, we we either vote our ticket, all Democrats, or all Republicans. That's just the way the system is sort of operates because we don't all read about every candidate. We just assume they're a Democrat, they believe in what I believe in, or they're a Republican, and we vote. And so Soros knows that a lot of people take advantage of the fact that they vote, but they don't vote intelligently. They don't look at the issues. I I, I look at issues that I care about. I'm sure you do too, but I don't have the time or the resources to know everything about every city council member or every every sheriff's deputy, deputy. And so he relies, the Open Door Foundation relies on this ignorance of the American people to put in prosecutors who are trying to fight racial injustice, or they don't believe, and there are a lot of philanthropists too, that donate huge sums of money for prison, what they call prison reform. And it's it, a lot of it stems from white guilt. Because in the 80s and 90s, when we had the crack epidemic, it was three strikes you're out. Clinton was known as being tough on crime. So was Nancy and Ronald Reagan, just say no. And, uh, and many do speculate that the cocaine arrived. It's interesting because if you go back to the Muriel cartel and the opening of South Florida, you had a sitting president, Jimmy Carter, with the same amount of ca- compassion. And he said, send your people, Fidel. If they want to come to America, we'll take them in. And I think there was a limited time when they could do it. And so what did Fidel do? He unloaded his prisons and put them on boats and sent them to America. And, and gosh, behold, within a year or two, we have cocaine traffickers flooding the streets of Miami. You think Scarface was a fiction? Well, maybe he was. But what was happening was literally true. Banks had all this influx of money. They were in money laundering businesses. And it completely changed the environment of South Florida. And now we get to see what happens when Joe Biden has his turn where he can flood America. With people who have nefarious desires. He's going to turn every major city into a cartel hub. And then they will continue to addict our young people and the crime. You know, so there are some who suggest, I think it was Michael Letts who appeared on this program, that shooter in, where was it, McAllen, Texas. It may have been a turf war. He had gang tattoos on all, all over him from one of the cartels, perhaps Sinaloa, MS-13. Los Gatos, or whoever they are, uh, read up on cartels. They make as much money as Apple and in Windows every year. And now they're in cahoots and they're funneling in fentanyl. Where do you think the fentanyl's coming from? For God's sakes, read a damn book! Then you'll know what's happening here. This is not good. We saw the preliminaries when they were flooding in for the for the previous, not the previous administration, luckily but then covid came and that kind of changed the rules and now covid's gone and you don't you you don't, you can't come to America but then Biden lets the the, the borders open why did he do it we, we we don't know i think it's because he thinks he's doing the right thing just like Carter thought he was doing the right thing by letting the the cubans in from cuba they were political refugees Biden, one of the reasons that these people are political refugees is because the cartels have completely corrupted Mexico and Central America. They've bought off all the the police. If you're a reporter, you're dead. You know why they they come to America? Because they're tired of seeing bodies burnt. They're tired of, of going to the authorities and complaining. El Salvador or Guatemala, one of those two, so bad that the governor or the president decided to build a Maxim security prison and he just arrested everybody. Guess what? People in El Salvador are going out at night again and going to restaurants and eating. Pretty soon in America people aren't going to go out anymore. And if you have if you have Soros-backed DAs letting people out of jail, what chance do you have? Was it Scott Bayo the other day? I'm done with California. I'm out. There's another actor who wants to make Texas the new Hollywood. I think it's Kevin Bacon or somebody like that? Anyway, so this is where we're at with this, and it was in the vein of this, uh, I, rem- I was reminded of my own culture, because I did grow up feeling like I was more influenced by Mexican culture than American culture, because I lived in uh, an area of L.A. that was predominantly Hispanic, and they didn't speak English. Anyway, I-, I put this little thing together. It's from a group called Los Lobos, and you might enjoy this sort of, sort of my opinion of what's happening right now across the border. Will the Wolf Survive? Border Patrol chief posted record-breaking numbers, nearly 70,000 apprehensions, more than 15,000 gotaways. You're seeing these videos, and this is what not that bad looks like. All alone in the world that's changed. In the El Paso sector, there's over 6,000 people. Running scared, now forced to hide. In a land where he once stood with pride. But he'll find his way. In this particular facility, it's meant to house a 1,000 people. It's housing over 3,000. In one of these rooms, it's meant the max capacity is 90 people. There was over 400 in here. We can't allow not that bad to be the normal. How does uh, Alejandro Mayorkas say with a straight face that things aren't as bad as they look? Now, there's a kind of a mixed blessing here. I think there's a bit of a mixed blessing. Number one, I think that Hispanic, the culture, the Catholic culture, their love for Christ, their love for family, their love for their children is a plus. In in many ways, they shame the typical middle-aged, or at least the kind of family I'm envisioning from like Silicon Valley or some middle-class suburb where Jane comes home as Michael and Bobby comes home as Susan. They're not going to put up with that over at the uh, Hispanic household. The problem is we'll get an influx of people who really will try to make their lives better here. Uh, And you'll have a fair amount of people who will take advantage of the system and send money back to Mexico and bring in more of their relatives. It's just a fact. It's not a racist statement. It's true. And then you're going to have the elements, the elements, the criminal element, the people who take advantage, the people who make a lot of money. They come here, they sell drugs, they set up shop, they find their little mules, And they bring it all in. Then the turf wars. Then you've got the violent shooting. Then you've got the cop payoffs. And then the look the other way. And then you start to ask yourself, how far does the corruption go? You know, we're going to be migrating to Canada soon. One day there will be a rush of Americans trying to go to Canada. Because it's no longer safe in Washington, Seattle, Portland. The streets will be littered with drug addicts as they are now. If you look at L.A., those aren't homeless people. Those are drug addicts. And isn't it interesting, isn't it interesting that we go from drug addicts to drug addicts? They go from being addicted to the drugs they buy from the cartels to being addicted to the drugs provided by the big pharma. you see how it's all tied together, isn't it? I'm JR. Thanks for stopping by. This is Speaking Out America. Until next time, don't forget to follow me online at speakingoutamerica.com.